Welcome to the latest pharmacy magazine COVID-19 podcast where we pick through the bones the last seven days and try to make sense of it all and also hand out some plaudits and brickbats. My name is Richard Thomas, I'm the editor of Pharmacy Magazine and joining me as usual to discuss the week's events are Rob Daricott, editor of P3 Pharmacy Magazine and Arthur Walsh, editor of our daily news service, Pharmacy Network News. Uh, morning both. Um, Rob, what's, uh, what's your week been like? Uh, my week has been morning. a bit cold, Richard. It's been, it's been a bit cold out there, going out uh, on my exercise opportunity once a day. Um, work-wise, I've been catching up with... Uh, I've been very interested to watch uh, and to catch up with people as to uh, the state of uh, community pharmacy this week compared with last week. Um, so maybe we're going to talk a little bit about that week as we go through. Uh, yeah, yes, we will. Um, Arthur, another busy week on the news front, of course, such a lot happening. What have you made of it all? Another very busy week, indeed, yes, yeah. The, uh, I suppose the fundamental decisive moment, but um, uh, there have been lots of, lots of interesting announcements this week. Okay, so um, last week we, we tried good week, bad week, and it, it seemed to work quite well in the last pod, uh, so we're going to do that again this time. Uh, Chaps, if it's okay with you. So, Arthur, let's start with you this time. Um, who's had a bad week for you this week? Uh, unfortunately, pharmacists seem to have had another bad week. Uh, we ran the second wave of our survey last weekend, and it sort of unearthed a lot of uh, worrying trends about uh, particularly aggression and intimidation towards staff, but also worries about workload and PPE and drug shortage just seem to be becoming uh, more severe as the weeks go on. Um, there was the funding announcement on Tuesday, which will offer some kind of immediate relief, but I don't think it gave people too much comfort in the long run. Yeah, it's been a, it's been another tricky week, I think, from where I've been sitting um, for pharmacists, that's for sure. Um, Rob, who's in the, the frame for bad week for you? Uh, I don't think it's been a great week for um, NHS England, actually. Uh, so, on the face of it, this cash injection that we got on, uh, was it Tuesday, um, was, you know, good news. Um, 300 million over two months and and given the concerns of pharmacists uh, towards the back end of last week, uh, concerns about the, the size of the wholesaler bills and whether they're going to have enough cash to meet that, that looked like a good thing. However, the whole announcement kind of quickly unraveled, I think, with um, the very quick realisation that this was, you know, effectively money from the future being paid now. Uh, and so while it, it would help with the with the bills that were going to, about to arrive, for sure, there were then very quickly questions about whether it was going to be enough given some of the uh, prescription numbers that some contractors were reporting to us over the month. So what on the face of it appeared to be reasonably good news then didn't appear to be quite as good news. And then when we saw what what other parts of the UK were getting by way of the same kind of issue, I think NHS England have had a bad week as a result of that. You know, in Scotland, they were, they're going to get at the end of April three times uh, the the equivalent of three times the money they got in December. So that appears to be, that should certainly be enough, um, regardless of how high the bills are. Uh, so not such a great week. And then at the very end of the week, we had the announcement about PPE um, and whether that's right or not. And I'm still struggling with this concept of uh, basically the PPE uh, uh, piece says 
in a pharmacy as long as as long as social distancing of two meters is maintained there's no need for ppe and okay that's maybe what the science says but that's not really how people feel and i think that um there's a lack of sort of recognition that people feel they need something and therefore regardless of what what it says you know that's how people feel and the other the final thing i would say on that is the two meters issue is all very well in terms of customers. I was in a pharmacy on Wednesday and everybody was behaving themselves and on in one out and, and, and that was all fine. But I'm not entirely sure that behind the counter, the staff were able to keep two meters from each other. And I think that's also something that perhaps needs some further discussion. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm sorry, Rob, is, that, is the guidance clear on that? Or whether... No, it's not clear. Arthur, it just says as long as social distancing is maintained, then you don't need you don't need PPE, the kind of PPE they're talking about for the rest of primary care. My point is, I don't think that's how people feel and how, whether they feel safe in the pharmacies and the, what they've been through over the last three weeks. That's almost to me more important than whether they absolutely are safe. And you know, that, that whole thing about if social distancing is maintained, well, it takes two to tango. You know, you've, you've mm. got to have the right kind of systems in the pharmacy to keep people and to encourage people to be distant. But that's not to say that customers are necessarily going to behave themselves and follow those those requirements. There's a lot of ifs in that for me. It seems to be another instance where the UK is maybe going its own way. I know it's difficult to source enough the Potentially it is. But I was speaking to my family in Ireland this week and it's an entirely different picture regarding PPE. Like you see it in every shop you go to, every pharmacy. I think we, 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 we're not any further on in reality. I think that the, the guidance in particular is confusing. You know, uh, Rob's right. In a, in a real-life pharmacy situation, you, know, if you, you, you don't know if someone's coming into your pharmacy whether they've got symptoms or not. By the time they're they're up close with you and you make an assessment whether to use your PPE or not, if you've got it, then, then it's just too late. And then, you know, to Arthur's point, the practicalities of keeping two metres apart in a, dis in a dispensary are, um, are impossible, really, for, for many pharmacies. So the PPE situation is not getting any better, as far as I can see. In fact, it's probably getting worse. And, we do need re resolution here. Um, I don't think we're getting it at the moment. Um, my bad week, uh, it's Easter. It's a bad week for Easter because guess what, guys? It's cancelled. Well, uh, it will be for, for some pharmacists anyway. It's looking increasingly like pharmacies will have to open on Good Friday and Easter Monday. We don't know how many yet or, or where. We're awaiting clarification from PSNC on that. Uh, but GPs have already been told to treat these to bank holidays as normal working days. And the health sector now, of course, has, has the powers to change pharmacies' core opening hours. And so this is going to come as a real blow, I think, to, to all those pharmacy teams out there who are exhausted and looking forward to these to break, to, to catch their breath and to recharge. And, of course, there are also real concerns about costs and workload. So, you know, this is a bit of a kick in the guts for them, really. Um, I think it's good for morale. PSNC's PSS, expectation was that the, the current plan these to provision would be sufficient for the estimated workload anyway. But, 
you know, these are exceptional times, continuity of care is clearly important. And if pharmacies have to open, um, they will, won't they? Because that's what, what pharmacy does. It, it just gets on with it. Um, what I, I don't get, though, is some contractors out there who say, well, we're not going to open uh, at Easter as a point of principle and, and with defiance, really, because of the, the funding situation. That, that's that's not a good look. Um, but we do expect many pharmacies to be open. So, unfortunately for them um, and for Easter, it's a bad week. Before we do the good week segment, we wanted to hear from pharmacists at the front line to hear about their experiences of the COVID crisis. And I'm delighted to welcome Jonathan Burton, who's the co-owner of the Right Medicine Pharmacy Group in Scotland and chair of the RPS Scottish Pharmacy Board. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on the pod. This last three weeks or so have been the most tumultuous and challenging I think any of us in pharmacy have ever experienced. What's it been like for you personally and your team? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I felt, I guess, the the very, very front tip of the tsunami. I, I work on a university campus environment in a community pharmacy. So we had a, effectively a mass exodus of uh, both home and overseas students over a period of about a week and a half. Um, so our dispensing volumes spiked very, very early as people tried to leave the town and, and leave the country at the very, very earliest um, point. This was even before the social distancing rules and uh, business closures happened. So I I work in a low dispensing volume pharmacy, but our dispensing volumes, you know, increased Um but one of the key roles I have here is I run a, um, a walk-in IP clinic for common conditions. Yeah. So that's um, ear, nose and throat, dermatology, bit of respiratory, you know, bit, bit of work with eyes. And three weeks ago today, our GP practice pulled their, our local campus-based GP practice, they pulled their morning walk-in clinic service, which okay. is an extremely busy service. It's completely walk-in. And I would usually act as an overflow for that. So what happened was overnight they shut the door to that clinic and effectively a larger proportion of those patients turned up at the pharmacy at opening time. Um, So in the first 40 minutes of my day, I must have triaged about a dozen patients, about a quarter of whom, well, three or four of them had... um, had symptoms that warranted them being in isolation. And at that point, the social distancing rules weren't fully embedded. People didn't really understand a lot about the, you know, the symptom checking around this. So it was just quite a scary moment because there was literally a queue out the door, not for prescriptions, but for my consultation service. That followed into the that that went into the following week really, um, and we had a couple more days of trying to firefight that and quickly adapting and trying to move to a telephone consultation based service, which is now fully embedded. But then it was a big culture change. Again, people didn't really get the social distancing, so it was really really challenging. And, and at that point, our prescription volumes were going up. But of course, in what I would call standard community pharmacy sites in villages, high streets, towns things at that point were really, really motoring in terms of, you know, the volumes of prescriptions coming through. I think with hindsight, you can see that that was all about human behaviours. That was about the fact that 
we were all in panic mode. The public, GP practices, pharmacies, we didn't know what was going to happen next. So, you know, those prescriptions, they all ha had a sense of had a sense of urgency. So, you know, our teams throughout the company and we specialize in small village and town sort of high street based pharmacies. Um, they were really, really feeling the um, feeling the pressure. So yeah, it was just uh, an unexpected, tough, unprecedented few days, and it's still not fully calmed down yet. No, it hasn't. Uh, definitely not. In England, the funding issue and PPE, I think, have been uh, the big issues, and of course a lot of anger and distress, and money has now been advanced to help with cash flow in England, but there's no sign of, of any new funding to cover pharmacists' rising costs as they fork out for extra staff and protective equipment and things like that. What's the situation in Scotland? Yeah, so our situation in some ways is not dissimilar to, to England, but there are some key some key differences, I think. So first of all, we have also had an, an advance um, you know, bringing forward of monies agreed for the end of April. Um, but my understanding is that's much, much more substantial. Um, so we're talking, you know, roughly around three times our usual base payment will be paid at the end of April. Yeah, because some of these spikes in activity are just quite extraordinary. Um, so that, I think, has given us a significant amount of breathing space. Yeah. And colleagues at Community Pharmacy Scotland are still negotiating with Scottish Government with regard to new monies um, and they update us every day um, on what's going on and yeah, I think to, to give credit to Community Pharmacy Scotland they've really they've kept a, a dialogue going um, with contractors and just let us know what they're feeling about things day to day so we're hoping for an update today. Okay. Uh, an update today. Yeah, the communication does seem to be very good from from well both the Scottish government and Community Pharmacy Scotland from, from what we can see. So we'll await news on, on today's update. All of us have been extremely shocked and, and upset actually by the abuse that has been directed at, at pharmacy teams by a minority of patients. I must stress that. Have you experienced this uh, across the Right Medicine Group? The public are, I guess worried and they're frustrated and you do see you do see that you do see that spill over into the pharmacy environment and I mean across our group personally I've had a couple of a couple of encounters that I, I wouldn't have expected outside of this crisis in terms of you know fuses being shorter and people's patients not being what it usually would be but I think that's driven by fear it's driven by a sense of urgency to get things done and to um, batten down the hatches at home. So on one level, uh, you know, a certain amount of a deviation from the social norms, I think, is to be expected. But obviously, the real sharp end of this is the, you know, the the, the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, the just quite frankly, unacceptable yeah. behavior towards people who are literally just doing their best to help their communities. And that, that, that just needs to be called out for what it is, you know, which is it's it's awful um and it does shed some light on what some pharmacy teams unfortunately have to put up with on a not unregular basis um even outside uh, these unusual times you know we put up with a we put up with a lot and so, so do a lot of other healthcare professionals um thinking about nurses and doctors in a and e for one you know we can't we, we can't normalize this sort of behavior no not at all um finally jonathan with your 
Scottish Pharmacy Board hat on. What's your message to community pharmacists and their teams out there across the UK? It really is quite simply just to say thank you and thank you on a number of levels. Um, You know, we as a profession, we did not leave our post. We stayed in our communities. We effectively kept our doors open um, and you can't um, underplay you know, the level of professionalism and the level of bravery that goes behind those actions. And we have continued to stay in post. There's been no deviation from our our normal role in the community, really. Okay, the, the nature of how the public enter and queue and interact in our pharmacies has changed slightly, but the the service is still there, and you know we've um, we've we've not flinched really. And I think when we reflect on this, you know, these opening scenes of the of the crisis, um, then you know, community pharmacists and and you know, and especially their their teams, the counter staff, the the dispensers, the technicians, you know, that they, they they deserve all the all the um, all the thanks and and, and credit that's been. Um, that's been directed towards them because you know it's really been an exceptional, an exceptional effort, and I just I, I just hope people get the recognition that they deserve and the respect that they deserve for the job that they've done over the past few weeks. None of us saw this coming, and you know we we really stepped up. Uh, we certainly did. I think the sector has been has been wonderful, and um, thank you, John. I'm sure those words will connect with many pharmacists out there working. Uh, heroically, uh, as you say, at this most challenging of times. Um, Thanks again for joining us on the pod, Jonathan. You take care and I'll speak to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks, Richard. So that was Jonathan Burton there, um, speaking very powerfully and well, I thought. And uh, actually, he's my nomination for Good Week. I think he's had a a very good week. And I think, in fact, the society's had another good week. Um, I've been impressed with the support and communication from the society to both members and non-members. Jonathan did a, a vlog last week. I'm not sure if, uh, if you've caught up with it yet. Um, but like that interview there, he spoke very honestly in it, um, from the heart and, and with great conviction. Uh, it was excellent. It's the best vlog I've seen, actually. We're all, we're all doing them, but it, it really connected with people. And as we talked last week, I think communications have been very good up in Scotland during the, the COVID crisis, right across the piece from Community Pharmacy Scotland uh, to the RPS, and that was epitomised by the leadership shown by the likes of Jonathan there. Um, Pharmacy has too many leaders in their ivory towers. Don't you agree? Um, Jonathan's certainly not that. He's right at the front end. Uh, So all power to him. Um, Jonathan, good week for him. Rob, what about you? Who's had a good week for you? So I, I'm, I'm going to be cheeky and have sort of. Two, I'm going to have one and a half. So I think it's been. I think it's been a good week um, for uh, the Welsh minister Vaughan Gething. So I was very taken by his very, very direct to camera video. Uh, it's only three minutes. It's on the CPW website. I think fair play for some for a minister to talk very directly to community pharmacy and pharmacy generally about the, the work that they're putting in in these exceptional times is a, is a very nice thing to do. And I think when uh, we've seen those people in England sort of wondering where 
the pharmacy minister in England is right now. I'm sure she's very busy connecting things up behind the scenes. But now and again, it's nice to see the people that are asking for the work to be put in uh, fronting up and and speaking very very positively. So if you haven't seen that, I just go on the CPW website. It's only three minutes, three and a quarter minutes, something like that. And listen to the Welsh Minister talking about uh, pharmacy and obviously announcing some things, some some relaxations of things that pharmacies would do. And then my sort of half one is I saw something the other day, and I wonder whether we're going to see a bit more of this. I saw on Twitter a, a picture of a of a school where the sort of science technician had spent all day with their 3D printing machine making um, PPE masks. Oh, for things. So I'm going to sort of retweet that because I reckon there's quite a lot of these 3D printers sitting around and about the place. And I think we might see slightly more of that uh, sort of home production of equipment, very locally um, driven. And so uh, I, I think that's an interesting development. I think that these designs are circulating on the Internet and they're easy to get hold of, I think. Um, and so let's see if we can see some more of that happening, because that it may be paradoxical that that's the kind of stuff that eventually gets into pharmacies because people locally come up with their own solutions as a community yeah it's amazing isn't it how in a time of crisis the innovation accelerates everywhere you know we're doing things that you wouldn't really dreamt possible you know a few weeks ago and um i think that's a you know a real positive out of a very difficult situation and, and as for wales well yeah definitely i I get the impression that the Welsh government um, has been uh, ahead of the game on this really, certainly in terms of its, its dealings with community pharmacy. They see the acting, you know, very quickly and very decisively, and, and as in Scotland, are, are communicating well. So, yeah, good nominations there. Um, and Arthur, what about good week for you? Who's had a good week, do you think? Um, well, to, to start, I think you make a very good point about sort of innovation in times of crisis. Um, Matt Hancock was talking yesterday about building a, a large-scale diagnostics industry in the UK from from scratch. The proof of being the doing, obviously, but there is that you do, you do sense that spirit of people wanting to 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 really pitch in and, and solve this crisis. And um, my good week is a little bit more cynical than Rob's. I'm going to say Perspex Window Companies are having a very good week. It seems to be the expectation now that. All pharmacies uh, are going to have them, and rightly so, because they need to be protected. Unfortunately, I'm not sure, like from anecdotally, it seems like the £300 that NHS England is funding up won't go quite far enough. Um, there's reports that having it installed costs, you know, a grand and up, upwards of that, and then it might, it might cost more money to have it taken down. Uh, when, when that happens. So, yeah, that's my good week for the Perspex window companies. Yeah, very good, Arthur. Very good indeed. All right, thank you, Chas. That just about wraps up this week's pod. So, thanks to my fellow editors, uh, Rob and Arthur, for their, their insight and words of wisdom. And, uh, and a special shout out to our absent colleague, uh, Neil, this week. So, the pod, along with all our news outputs, can be downloaded from pharmacymagazine.co.uk. Our daily news service, pharmacynetworknews.com, and also uh, the daily pharmacy magazine e-newsletter. Thank you for joining us. Take care, and we'll speak to you next time.